Lord God, thank you again for your faithfulness, your goodness to us. We just ask that you would continue to uh, encourage us in our faith, stretch us in our faith, uh, grow us uh, to be more and more like you. And as we spend time together discussing things, Lord, would it encourage us? May it, may it challenge us at times too. And so, Lord, but more than anything, we ask that the joy that you have for us, that you've placed within us, would just overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we've been looking at Jesus coming in, and uh, his proclamation after he came back from the wilderness was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so now he's calling his uh, disciples and we kind of looked last week uh, briefly for a little bit that, that he called Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and they dropped their nets immediately and followed him. And so um, I think that, that I'd like to pick up, so let's go ahead and, and follow along. We'll read Mark 1, 16 through 20, and then we'll jump into uh, the second question there uh, below that passage. So passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of, Ze <clears throat> James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So we we have to be careful, I think, to some um, of of saying, well, this is the requirement. Again, when we look at scripture, um, it is often more descriptive than prescriptive. What I mean by prescriptive is that this is how it has to be done. Descriptive is like, let's just talk about what it means to hear the heart of God, to follow that, and what does that look like for us individually? Because obviously I would say that for most of us, we're not going to leave our jobs to follow Jesus, right? That doesn't make sense for, um, unless you're retired. No, but, um, so, but when we look at that, I, I mean, I think that, that there has been a lot of people say, well, I have to leave my job then to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and that's not what God's heart here is. And so we need to understand that how does this reaction, though, of these first disciples explain what it means to follow Christ? Because there's an underlying principle here that affects all of us and impacts all of us. Um, so, what, what are your thoughts? Besides, it feels like winter, even though it's hot outside. Okay. So, are these the um, calling of the first three disciples present in other Gospels? Not quite this direct. Um, so if you look at um, right after the temptation, uh, you don't really see uh, Matthew chapter 4. We do see this, these four called exactly the same way. So while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, or brother Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, and casting that into the sea. But they were fishermen, and he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? Sounds very similar. Immediately, they left their nets, and going on, they, the two brothers, the son of Zebedee. So this is almost identical. Matthew and Mark 
which would make, again, some of the other scholars who think that they, uh, you know, uh, copied each other. Uh, we do not have this in Luke, and I'm pretty sure we do not have it in John. Um, in fact, I know we don't have it in John. So Matthew and Mark, very complementarian, say the same thing uh, for these four. Well, let's look at John here. Um, so John chapter 1, uh, we see some other disciples that he points to. Uh, so verse 35 of John chapter 1 we see uh, John the Baptist proclaiming that he is, uh, you know, the Lamb of God. And then Andrew and Simon uh, speak and follow Jesus. It was, you know, Jesus says, come, you will see. So they came, and that was the 10th hour. So we, then we see verse 43, then he calls Philip and Nathaniel. So here's two more that we don't hear about. And he says the same thing, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Now Philip found his brother and said, hey, come, and I'll show you, you know, the Messiah. And so um, we have those six that we see in Scripture that are called, but we know there were 12 total. Um, so it's not as, you know, Matthew and Mark for these four are pretty much identical, which is important for us to understand. John and Luke don't talk about uh, these four disciples, the first four. Yes, Steve. I was just thinking over there, if you apply that today, uh, can you imagine somebody coming along, talking to Harold and you and, and uh, Connie and say, come follow me. You know, you're gonna, you know, it's almost comical to the degree that you, he's calling people at, at will of theirs. I'm assuming his, because uh, I don't know, but I'm assuming his reputation is, is preceded him and they must know who he is. Jesus must have some type of knowledge. Come follow me to just drop your nets and follow him. There must be some type of credibility. Well, I think there's. it's comical to us in a post-Jesus resurrection and ascension era. You have to realize that at this moment in time, the, the Jews were anxious and looking for a Messiah to come on the scene. In fact, we see with, uh, in Acts with, with Gamaliel saying, hey, you know, this guy came, he died, this guy came. So there were people coming, claiming that they were to be the Messiah. Someone to come today to us because the Messiah has already arrived on the scene, Jesus Christ. It is comical. At this point in time, though, I think we have to understand that they were looking for the Messiah. They were, we found, you know, we've been given the Messiah. We know he's come. Uh, you know, and, and you wonder in Jewish, in Israel, is there still that anticipation of a Messiah because they don't believe he has come yet? Um, so I think in the, in the current culture, especially with John the Baptist saying, hey, he's coming. I think there was a, a, a look for uh, someone they were looking for, for him. So it would be comical today. Well, I was just thinking that for them to drop the nets, he, you know, he must have been, been known and, and respected to sit there and, and uh, follow. I, I meant today it's comical to, have to see someone drop that, but I meant in those days over there. I, yeah, it would be weird because, you know, some of the, 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 the challenges that we have, and then, the, and then we read scholars' commentaries, is he was baptized, Jesus was baptized, John proclaimed, here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God's voice came, you know, from, from heaven, and, and the, the dove alighted upon him, and then he was gone for 40 days. 
right? So what kind of conversation, we don't know, we weren't there, was happening because I think a lot of people, well, there he is, but now he took off. Um, so was it a great anticipation when he came back to the city? Were they like, yeah, okay, he really is here? Because I think a lot of them would have thought after the recognition from heaven that, okay, now it's time to go. Let's do this. And they didn't. So, Connie. You know, we, my mind just works. <laughs> there are people that give things up and follow God right now. Look mm-hmm. at your nuns. Mm-hmm. Look at people that go into the um, in the field of you know converting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you know it isn't so far fetched when you really no pretty yeah. And I think the principle is the same. For all of us, I think we always are in this constant transition of, of what is more important to us than, than following Jesus, right? And, and as we follow Jesus, he says, hey, this area of your life, probably you could give up or, or at least have a better balance, right? You, you know, sometimes it's sports. You know, I know guys who will, during you know, certain sports seasons, never show up on a Sunday, even though they're Christians, but because they're so devoted to their sport, um, and you, you know now, depending on you know, and, and it's struggle because the world is really you know sports is a bad one to pick on, but the world is really trying to pull for our attention, and and our and and so, I think we all would if we would stop and be honest, there'd be like okay, am I and that is in the flesh, completely following Jesus Christ? Well, in the flesh you can't. But the spirit within you and the new creation of Christ, yes, you are. But I think what's interesting here, and that's what I wanted to point to, is he, he doesn't say, hey, just come follow me. He says, I will make you fishers of men. So there's a change. What I think we, the, the, the note that God is trying to say is there's a change in identity and direction of who you are when Jesus enters your life. It no longer are as your identity. They were fishermen. He, you know, both Matthew and Mark call that for they were fishermen. But now, they are disciples of Jesus. And so I think, you know, what's your identity? Am I, you know, so look at me. Am I okay? I'm a dad. Yes. I'm a husband. Yes. Uh, you know, I have some education. I'm a pastor. All these things. But my identity really is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And these other things serve that and so i think that that's really um you know even and that's why jesus says i'll make you fishers of men i'm not going to just discount your livelihood or what you used to do i'm going to take that knowledge and i'm going to say okay what does that look like that means you're casting a net that means you're you, you know you're you're mending nets at times you're 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 throwing things out and sometimes you get a great catch sometimes you don't Right. So, so for us, what does that look like for us in our world and in our context? So that, that's a good point that he, he ties that that you're going to be fishers of men. You're fishermen. I'm going to use that and, um, for my purposes, mm-hmm. and and you guys are going to um, understand. And so to answer your question, um, we can be called in the vocation that we're already in and um, share the gospel or just 
see Jesus to other people where we are, what we're doing. This doesn't mean, to Connie's point, that God's not asking some people to say, hey, sell everything, go to another country. Or, you know, in, our, in the United States, just go to another place. I mean, because there's, we can, feel, we can feel like we're in third world countries and places in, in our uh, United States. The word, is, the word is faithful, though. It's interesting. In the book of Acts and in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane accounts over there, uh, where after three years they're walking with Jesus, it says they took note that these men were walking uh, in the book of Acts, that they were walking, that they had been with Jesus for the three years. They were disciples, and that they took notice that these unlearned men were uh, followers of Christ. So basically, he is uh, Christ is fulfilling that, that I don't think he fishes them in. So it is a, a, a just a completion of, of, of the Lord's word on that, of fulfilling what he said he would do. Well, that's a great segue to the next question, is why do you think... Or why does Jesus call fishermen to be his first disciples? So we could make that connection of fishers and men. Uh, well, that's some, sure. That's, that's, that's some of it. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You can make that, you can go in a circle real quick. Okay. Sure, but let's just look at, 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 and sometimes context of the day and culture of the day is important for us. No fishermen were not revered. Um, they were uh, right a, along with shepherds in society. They were not considered, uh, they, they were salty. They were rough. They weren't considered, you know, as you mentioned, acts. They weren't considered educated at all. Um, and so, you know, if you're a fisherman, you're just a fisherman. And, you know, not really valued in society. And so we see that Jesus goes to the least of these, if you want to call it that, and, and uses them and raises them up. Now we see Matthew is one that he called later, was a tax collector. That one makes a little more sense in the current culture that they were in. Well, that makes sense. He's, a, he's, he's kind of got some power. Um, but he starts with the least of these. And so I think... When you look at, for me anyway, when you look at it, you, okay, wait a second. God doesn't care any, about where your social status is. In fact, he exalts your social status. You know, wh wherever you are, he lifts you up. Um, and so it wasn't like these fishermen were going, oh, great, I don't need to be a fisherman anymore because, I mean, actually what's lower than being a fisherman is following some guy that came out of the wilderness, potentially. Uh, and so I think that, that again, um, Yes, the, the, using that vocation and understanding that you're fishers of men is definitely something. But all the disciples weren't fishermen. And so, but at the same time, he establishes the precedent. This is what it means to be a disciple. You are going to be fishing for men. Whether, you, no matter who are, if you're a tax collector, it doesn't matter. You're going to be fishing for men. Laura, Lindsay? Well, I was just going to say, and this could be going off topic, but cool. I find it a little interesting, too. I mean, as Luke states and, and points out, they had not had a successful night of fishing when Jesus came on the scene to call them. So, you know, I just, I, I find that interesting, too, about how, you know, the Lord's timing in calling people out of, you know, their, the things that they're holding on to in identity 
to identifying with him and being identified with him. So that was interesting yeah. to so me. So a too. moment of discouragement and he lifts them up out of that. Obviously we see they did spend a lot of time on the Sea of Galilee and having fishermen was probably a benefit to the ministry. And then we have great stories of, of miraculous things that Jesus did on the water with the fishermen. Uh, so there's a practical side of it too. I need guys who can get me across the sea. <laughs> I mean, if you look at that, I, I, I you know, so Barb, and maybe, sorry, Steve. It's okay. And maybe God spoke to these men before Jesus came back and said, you know, be ready. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Be no. Ready. So yeah. if someone says drop it, you better drop it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. To uh, Laura's and Barb's point over there, I was just thinking of it. I wonder if that was up. Uh, the intelligentsia of the day, the, the, the intellectual elite, the, the social status over there, I'm not, they probably weren't looking for the kingdom uh, as, as, you know, I'm, I'm covering my, Matthew over there uh, saw Jesus' ministry and, and follows it, but I'm wondering if that's true today over there, the, the bright, the, the educated, the thing, I don't need God, I'm, I'm, I'm self-sufficient, I'm my own God, you know, it's a form of idolatry, but I'm, I'm wondering if if the very sin, you know, it's like, let the little children come unto me. And if you can't receive the kingdom as a little child, there's, you can't enter in. But I just find it interesting that uh, the smarter we are, maybe the heart, we can't hear the Lord. We were, we're probably desensitized to the spiritual nature of our hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, sometimes it's, it's fun for us to try to understand uh, and, and rationalize why God does things the way he does it. And I think we can get some clues. Ultimately, I think what, what this is describing to us, uh, and even if we go into Nathaniel uh, you know, and Andrew and, and going and getting him and saying, come and see, uh, which is another great thing. But, but I think that it, it's, it's what can we glean from it for certainty? What can we understand for certainty? God calls people, right? We know that. And God gives opportunity and actually is desiring that people respond. And what does that response look like? That I am no longer identified by who I am in the world, my vocation or whatever. I am identified by my following Jesus. Which is a great segue to Sunday morning sermon about they were first called Christians <laughs> in Antioch. But anyway, so... And I was going to say too, the the um, account in Luke takes us back to Peter saying, you know, I need to be, I need to be cleaned to be called. There's yeah. just that, there's yeah. that aspect of it too, I think. Yeah, Luke adds a lot of, I would say, sometimes very important details, sometimes very abstract details, because you're like, okay, that was, you know, more than likely he interviewed Peter. And Peter, if you guys have read Peter, as a lot of you have, is all over the place. I mean, this guy, um, I think, tries to say everything. And that's why you see when the Holy Spirit is upon him, he actually talks succinctly. When the Holy Spirit's not upon him, or, you know, or when he's not listening to the Holy Spirit, everything's a reaction, right? He's just going crazy. And so... Um, I think that when he's interviewing, because when he's interviewing Peter, I think what you see is that Peter's trying to give all that he was thinking and all that he said throughout the ministry, because that reference is actually afterwards when he's washing their feet, where he says, you know, I don't need to be, but for Peter, because Peter, everything was real time, right? Whether it happened a year ago or whether, you know, happened yesterday, it was all, 
you know. Yeah, well, yeah, and and it's great because you know you see when the when they you just see that the work of the Holy Spirit in a man's life like that, especially after Pentecost, um, and there's a good chance that Luke or that Luke might have started his his uh, research and and chronicling before Pentecost. So there would have been some interesting things happening. So anyway, I mean, yes, Connie. Could you please tell me what Pentecost means? I do not know. So Pentecost is feast of, really means feast of, um, it happened at the feast of fest of harvest, and it means a pouring out. That's all it means. So when we look at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit poured himself out upon the church. Uh, and that was 42 days after uh, the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, 50 days. And then 8 days after the ascension. So 42 days was the ascension. But it would have happened at the Feast of, of Harvest, when they all would have been there celebrating, and then they went and waited like Jesus told them, and he poured out his Spirit upon them. So Pentecost just means a pouring out. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So again, um, Jesus explains that he will make them fishers of men. Now, we've kind of been talking about this, and, and you might say we've already answered this, but I'm going to ask you, what do you think this means? Well, it's actually, this version says it will, you will become fishers okay. of Okay. Make you become fishes of men. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little convoluted sentence. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will make you become fishes of right, men. Right, right. It's like, uh, yeah. not quite yet. Okay, good. Minus is Jesus, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, until the end of Jesus life on earth they really weren't fishes of men so i mean in the true sense i mean they were attracting followers right right right? Mm -hmm. i mean they have that one moment where he sends the 70 disciples out and breathes on them sends them out two by two um i think again he's sending a a precedent for what it's going to look like afterwards uh and helping them understand that not everyone's going to receive and also helping them understand that don't worry about what you're going to say. Um, the Holy Spirit will give you that in that moment. And then we see after, after the falling of the Holy Spirit and that, you know, him giving the Holy Spirit to the church so that all believers are dwelt with by the Holy Spirit where before it wasn't so. Um, and so I think we see his spirit say, you know, as he says in Matthew 28, and I'll be with you always. And how can that be other than he gave his spirit to the, to the disciples and to the church. From the gospel accounts, it looks like to me that even the disciples, even after the crucifixion, they were struggling in the, you know, the inner room over there in fear and whatnot until Jesus comes and um, tells them, peace be with you, and mm-hmm. reveals himself. But even Thomas, unless I see, I won't believe. Yeah. So basically, it would just tell me that the whole concept and the whole birthing process of the of a new... Uh, Dispensation is uh, is God inspired by the Holy Spirit because no man, I mean, it's infused by the Holy Spirit because no man can make that up. Either mm-hmm. you're living in that or you're not. Yeah. So why is it important to note that Jesus will make them fishers of men? It's God's work. 
Say it louder. That it's God's work. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's important for us to note. That God's the one that is going to make them fishers of men. And as Harold says, they will become that. It's not like, you know, um, of course, here's the great thing about the way our, our Lord works. He proclaims something over us, and whether or not we see that already or not, it's, it's as good as done. Amen. You know, he says that we're his children. He sealed us with the Spirit. And whether we feel like it all the time or not, the reality is because he said it, it's true. Um, and we obviously see that fulfillment with these four in particular that they do. They're, they're part of the 120 that, that receive the Holy Spirit. They're part of the initial church where, you know, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 were added and, you know, they were added and baptized. I mean, right there. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an instant church. Uh, instant mega church, if you look at today's <laughs> society. Um, obviously, they didn't meet together like we do today at that point in time. They were doing, let's, okay, let's start meeting in houses, because it wasn't until a couple hundred, about 150 years later, that they actually built church buildings. Uh, so um, we see, though, that, that the, the movement was happening, and some of that was because they were expecting Jesus to return. So they were saying there's this great revival of, of God pouring his spirit out on people because he's going to come back before the last disciple dies. And so uh, the need to build a building and to have a church wasn't in their mind at the time because, well, it's, it's why waste our time on that was kind of the attitude in the, in the early church. And plus, I think they weren't distracted with buildings. I think they were like, they were wonderfully absorbed with Jesus. Um, we do have some weirdness in the Corinth church, but that's okay. Uh, so again, it's the work of God. So let's get down to just the, the real meat of it for us. What keeps us from being fishers of men? What are some of the challenges? We're going to get shot down for what we believe. Okay. Yeah. That it's not relevant or that Jesus is saying that's not relevant to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. Kind of an attitude. Uh, another thing is that I don't know about you guys, but I have friends from all different types of religions, and sometimes you don't really don't want to get into the. It's difficult to talk religion when I mean everybody believes in the Bible and everybody believes in God, but it's how you get to God that, and sometimes those. Those conversations are not easy, nor do, you, nor do I really want to get into. Yeah, so I mean, there's times to, to keep the peace and, and among friends and among the, is to, to not rock the boat, so to speak, not, even though it's not a fishing reference, because you can fish from the shore. Anyway, but, um, but I think that, that that idea of, well, wait a second, uh, you know, they believe, they say they believe the Bible as the Word of God, yet maybe some of us have friends who say that, uh, but yet there's another work that they, that they actually hold higher than the Bible. And so that's where we have a conflict, but to have a discussion on that could just ruin the friendship rather than walking alongside that person and loving them. Uh, where they're at. I think sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody you don't know okay. about God and about Jesus. However, I think it's a lot makes a lot more sense that it's personal relationship. So when people that you know are going through something, 
you say, oh, let me pray for you, and they ask questions, that's a great opportunity because you're a safe person that you can be trusted. Be ready. So, Barbara. I had a, a girl that I go to the gym with, and she was having a hard time, and I, was, I asked her if I could pray for her, and she was like, well, it depends on what you mean worked. I mean, yeah. for that moment, she felt loved. Yeah, she did. And she felt someone cared for her enough to... Because it's weird when you say you'll pray for somebody and they have... I've had that reaction, you will. <laughs> like, like... Well, I'm like, we can do it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can do it now. She's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, but it's like, it's not a, you know, I guess for, it's not a big deal for us to pray, right? That's what we do. I'll pray for you. But for some people, that's very meaningful. And that just starts the beginning of, of an ongoing conversation, you know, could happen in two months. Hey, you know what? I'll pray for you again. You know, let's talk about that or whatever. Uh, I was going to say that, that, Connie, the thing that I noticed over there, they noticed your life and you're, you wear the Lord well. But the point of it is, is when you... In there, a lot of people, you know, if you're religious, you're right, along, good, bad. But a lot of times, when you're dealing with those situations that are uncomfortable, it could be life and death for them over there. You know, you see someone going through a funeral or a divorce or some trauma, and you're walking through it. It's, it they're in a life crisis, and you're you're kind of a lifeline. It's not a matter of you being right or wrong. I, I look at it as to say, it's not whether I'm right or wrong. I know the I know the Lord of Glory that can touch your heart or minister mm-hmm. to your minister to your inner being or your fear or your provision or whatever it is because I don't have any resource but I know God does yeah. and that's a, that's important over there when you're sharing your life because they see they see the Lord in you 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 are you are, you were you know it's well, kind of comical to me because I could see where you're kind of a spiritual magnet. <laughs> magnet, not maggot. Just I want to make sure that we all heard that correctly. <laughs> well, but but I think I think that the Steve, you bring up a good point because sometimes we can, not sometimes, almost too often, we can be so concerned about being right. We can be so concerned about whether or not I'm presenting the gospel correctly. You know, I always think of, of Peter and John. They're walking to the temple, and there's the, the lame man asking for alms. And they say, hey, look at us. And, you know, he's expecting to get some money. And they say, we don't have that, but we give you Jesus. That was it. I mean, it wasn't like, you, you know, uh, hey, you know, once you believe that the, the, the belief system that you've been holding to, and you reject that, then you can follow Jesus. But you have to believe this about Jesus. They don't say they just give him Jesus. And I think we can get kind of caught up in all the experiences, uh, doctrines that we don't realize that we have that are really there, um, that we miss Jesus very easily sometimes. And I'm not saying I don't want us to be theologically sound. I want us to be reasonable. I want us to be like the Bereans and to study the Bible. Um, But also realize that even as we're studying the Bible, even as we're listening to someone like me, even as we're listening to or reading commentaries, if we do that sort of thing, we're still reading and and through um, minds that are corrupted by sin. And so we have to be careful that we hold on to those things that we know are true, that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. And those things that are... I call non-essential for salvation, you know, 
whether you, you, you know that one hot topic you have to be immersed you have to be sprinkled you know uh, that's one of them and you can look at the history and realize wait it's not prescriptive it's descriptive God says look it's important people respond in faith and that we give them the opportunity and we pour water and we say in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit that's what's important about it it's not so much you know exactly how you do it because if someone's responding in faith is God going to say well let me just check to make sure you did it right and I don't think he's going to. Um, it's kind of like what a lot of churches I've been in have made this official sinner's prayer, right? And it's like, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see anywhere where the disciples said, okay, hey, just pray this prayer and you're good. Uh, what they say is, hey, repent and believe and be baptized. Uh, you know, repent is the big thing. Repent and believe. Turn and believe. And so I think that that's, sometimes we can get caught up in all those things and we take our experience um, and like, so here's a good example. Uh, these four fishermen could have said to Jesus, well, everyone has to, has to drop what they're doing and follow you, or everyone has to be fishermen, right? I mean, that could have been, a, uh, hey, we're the first four. Why are you calling a tax collector, Jesus? He's not a fisherman. And don't you know, he's a tax collector. Tax collectors were cheats and liars. And he said, why are you calling that guy? I'm not really pointing at you, but you know you are a barbarian, <laughs> barbarian by name. But um, and so, so I think that that when we come to that is is that we feel, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I think you all have kind of mentioned this. We we feel this pressure. Do I have the right answer? Do I can I explain my position correctly, or do I even understand? Uh, you know, it's funny. I hear it in the Lutheran. You know, what's that? What Lutherans think? Well, let's, what does the Bible think? You, you know, uh, we're going to go pretty much by the Bible. And, and even when I was installed, the, the Augsburg Confession that I said is a true exposition of the Bible, um, you got to look through it and go, I can see where they get that from the Bible. So it, it's still going back to uh, sola scriptura, the word alone. And so for us, you know, what makes you Christian to me is that you hold the Bible as the inerrant, perfect word of God. And you hold to that. Uh, and so whether you're Lutheran, whether you're Baptist, whatever, the thing is, is that is, is it's not about those ancillary things. We believe, and I think all of us would agree, that, that we all come to God completely desperate, completely dead, and completely in need of him to work on our behalf. Amen. And Jesus did that. So that's what we bring to people. And, and so when we talk about um, Catholic friends, uh, people who are in churches that are legalistic, like I was raised in, uh, Mormon friends who everything is about really your performance, Jesus is a refreshment to them. And it's hard for them to understand. You mean, it's Jesus, that's it? Uh, I've been accused of, well, so you can just do whatever you want? Well, no, I don't want to do whatever I want now that I'm, you know, but at the same time, I don't have to prove by what I do that I'm a Christian. I don't have to prove that I'm a fisher of men. Jesus has done that work, and he's continuing to do that work. The battle is, am I responding to that work? Yeah. You know, and that's just, the battle. I was thinking, what you just said, the, the response. Um, when you look at these accounts, I mean, there's there's some variances in, you know, how they were fishing, but it had not been a successful night. Then there were some that were mending their nets. Mm -hmm. um, there were some that were, you know, that left their father. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think there are so many things that are temporal 
that can keep us distracted from following through with that call that comes upon us. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a big part of what we see when we do, you know, um, scatter those seeds of the gospel to people. So often what is the biggest um, hurdle and hindrance is, you know, I think back to my dad's testimony. Well, I, you know, I'm a good person or, you know, well, but if I, call, if I'm, if I accept this call by God to be his, what is he going to do with, you know, this part of my life? What is he going to do with this part of my life? And, and, you know, we feel like we have there, that giving up of things is going to be a cost that we can't, we can't follow through with. You know, and so I think that sometimes can be the biggest hurdle of not just being a fisher of men, but also, you know, fishing men into the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, but I think that that's the comfort the that the words that Jesus says, I will make you fishermen, that it's not about right. our insecurities, it's not about our apprehension, um, it's about trusting that what Jesus says he will do. Uh, and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He won't abandon you. He won't, he won't, I mean, he'll do, and so again, where we get in trouble is where we try to run on our own. And, and because here I have an idea, what does it mean? Uh, each of us, if I were to say, okay, write down in three sentences or less what it means to be a fisher of men. We all would have some similar ideas, but for the most part, we would actually look at it differently to some degree. Like I would say something like, well, it's creating relationship with people who, who aren't, um, you know, part of the kingdom. And it's, it's working at a point to where you're casting the net and eventually you're able to, to, to draw them in and bring them Jesus. But it doesn't mean, some of you would say, no, it means, yeah, well, I go out and I tell them that Jesus loves them every time. Whatever, I mean, we can fill this in. Um, you know, another thing that you mentioned, Laura, as we look at this, um, when he says that he, they left their father, you know, I would encourage you to pray for people who are in a, in a religion who have come to faith in Jesus, but because of their family members, um, or cannot, or have not, left. Uh, we had uh, Lance here Wednesday night, who five years ago was excommunicated from the church, the Mormon church, and with the exception of his kids, his family won't talk to him. You know, so, I mean, he... he he, it cost him everything. Um, and I'm not saying that every person, whatever you know, type of religion they're in, that, that's, that it has to be that immediate, but there are people who are wrestling because they don't want to upset grandma, they don't want to upset mom, they want to keep that relationship and they know. Uh, and so, but I think we see that. We, we see that even in, in the church today. Thank you for bringing Lance in. I was going to say that it was interesting when he came in here. He gave, gave up his family to a certain degree that won't talk to him. Not that he wouldn't, uh, he didn't cut off the relationship, they did. But the point of it is, he wears the Lord really well. I mean, you can see this guy really loves Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has done a real powerful work. I mean, he is not pl plastic painted gold, he's, he's solid, and, and it's a, it's a, a it's a joy to watch the Holy Spirit work something like that. Where you give, I mean, when you give a family like that, knowing that that's a, a main a main thing uh, to a, it's a gift of the Lord uh, to have Jesus be having more Jesus like right. that. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And what was great about guys like Lance is that they 
they don't have bitterness or hatred. Um, in fact, you know, it's quite the opposite. They understand and they're loving and it helps us understand because that, as we've been going through different religions on Wednesday nights with the men, my heart has always been, we understand how people see things. Not so we can go, how can they see things? That's been the battle, right? How can they see it that way? Well, it doesn't matter if we understand how. We're looking from a, from a Christian worldview. We have to step back and go, these are the things that people are believing today and it impacts how they live their life. And, and rather than being, you know, well, how can they feel that way? Or, well, it, it's to go, wait a second, I know that they're caught up in, uh, you know, deception. I know that they're believing, you know, you know, some of the Buddhism and things that, you know, maybe I'll be enough to not come back as a woman, right? I mean, that's, that's all I'm like, man, that's horrible. Or, or you know, or it's, what was, was it, tiger and woman? Yeah, I don't want to come back as either of those, right? Or something, I'd rather come back as a gnat, I guess, or something, but I, I'm like, wow, you know, what a, what a, what a weird uh, way, but that's how some people believe. If I, you know, if I do good enough, I'll either get another chance or God will accept me. Um, because they outweigh, and, and that's, there's no surety in that. Uh, and so we offer assurance. Uh, people who, who believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, who have received the free gift of salvation through the wonderful work on the cross, at the end of their life, I have never seen someone who believes that doubt. They've doubted for it months before. I'll, I'll use Harold Ewing, you know. Uh, the whole couple years that I knew him, I don't know why. I guess I'm not good enough. And, you know, I said, well, you know, missing his wife. You're going to see her someday. Well, how do you know all this stuff? The last two weeks, he couldn't wait to see Jesus. And he goes, I'm ready to go home, and I can't wait. And that was, you know, I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit is giving him that confidence. People who don't have that are scared. Scared. Well, you should be scared. scared. When you're walking yeah. into eternity, it's, it, you, you know, it's it, heart wrenching, though. Oh, it is, it is heart wrenching, but that, you know, that's one of the things I use over there. I say, you know, you're betting on your good works, but I says, you know, I've never seen anybody on their on their last minute. They are concerned. And, you know, I, I'm this, I here are my brownie badges or whatever goofy that you hang on to. When it comes, comes well, to You don't know if you've done enough. Well, you don't. It's yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Christians who are wrestling with that, you, you know, just so you know. I mean, we have Christians that go, man, I don't know. I don't know if I did enough for, to hear the words, well done, that good and faithful servant. And that, that's rough. I feel for them because God speaks that over you because you're in Christ. And Christ did it all. So when he looks at you, he looks at Jesus and goes, well done. You did it. Um, so I, one of the things is they cast nets when they fish. I would like us to consider part of that casting nets being the prayer work that we do. Um, and so, you, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's what I can go fishing and I can go stand there with the pole on the edge of the, of the river and never cast my line in the water. I'm never going to get anything. <laughs> because um, I'm still pondering this, what keeps us from being fishers of men. Maybe we really don't understand what that means. In other words, um, my, my concept is, oh, they didn't come to the Lord. Mm. They, didn't, they didn't express faith in the Lord after my uh, sharing with them and, and this kind of thing. And to me, I was, that meant I was not successful. Mm. And so that can, that's a wrong concept because mm -hmm. we're simply called to plant, to share, right. to love. Mm -hmm. And, and Holy Spirit does the rest of it. 
So I think it's important that we understand correctly what that means so that we're not beating ourselves up that, oh, oh, they, they didn't come to faith, therefore I, I flunked. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't make it. That's a good point. I mean, uh, Jeremiah is a good one to look at, who for 40 years, <laughs> he's called the weeping prophet, spoke the word of God, and nobody repented, nobody changed. And, and so I, I think that, again, our, our job is to be, I mean, Peter had no clue when he stood up and after the day of Pentecost and explained what was going on and said, hey, you guys are the one who killed Jesus. He had no, deal, no idea they were going to be cut to the heart and go, hey, what do we need to do? He was just sharing. Yeah, and we see other times when they're sharing before the councils, right, that there's no change. In fact, they're like, well, quit speaking in Jesus and let's beat you up first and then send you out. There wasn't a change, and so we don't know. Uh, I've gone fishing before, fished this hole, and nothing, and then a guy can come after me 15 minutes later, and he catches something. Okay, uh, I just got the fish. No big deal, right? Yeah, that, yeah, like at the slot machine. No, <laughs> you primed it for the next guy. No, <laughs> I don't think it's quite. <laughs> <laughs> the gambling gospel. I'm gonna write a book. I was just thinking sometimes too. You know, I I consider um, what the the New Testament talks about. I think is it in Corinthians. Paul talks about how there's some who water, there's some who right. you know. And you know, I I think back on my grandmother, and she had come to faith as a young child, but then didn't walk for many, 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 many years um, in accordance to faith. Um, and so um, she and then married a man who was very um, um, agnostic, very, very angry towards God and just didn't live, you know, for God at all. Um, and so anyway, um, come to the time where she was, she had uh, cancer, uh, diagnosed with cancer, and she, as she was going through all that process, um, she ended up in the hospital at one point. But at this, I, I mean, when I came into, Kirk and I, after we got married, we came back to like getting together with her before she was um, diagnosed with cancer. And I just felt very strong that I was supposed to you know, encourage my grandmother to look to Jesus, and, and I wanted to share Jesus with her, and, and it was a process, and then when this happened with her, with her cancer, I just felt like even more burdened to share Jesus with her, but there just didn't ever seem to be that response when we were together. Um, when she ended up in the hospital because of her cancer, she was actually in put in a room with a woman who was the mother of a, uh, a gal in my Bible study hmm. and there is and we lived just, an hour away so that was yeah there just is this but what was neat about it was that that here my my this gal that was in my Bible study was visiting her mother who is not who was not believing in Jesus hmm. my grandmother during that time returned to faith hmm. listening to and what she, she was saying to her daughter so yeah yeah but because of I mean, part of that was my yep. Bible study friend yep. talking with her mom in the same room. It just, you know, it's amazing to me how the Lord does that work. You can be sharing Jesus so much and praying for somebody so much to come to him. 
and not feel like anything is working or happening or anything like that. And, you know, and it's just, there are times where you just throw up your hands and you're like, okay, I give up. I just can't, I, this isn't obviously for me to do. And, but then all of a sudden, something like that happens. So, um, it, it is just for, to rest and trust. It is for us to pray. Yeah. And so that's why I just gave you guys some, and even we have the yellow cards out there. I would encourage you in the back of the pews. It's a pray watch list. Here's people I'm praying for. And what it says, I'm expecting God to work in their lives. And so with the, with the anticipation, we pray for them and we watch. Okay, you know, so let's pray. Lord, thank you. Be with our friends and our family members and even those in our community we don't know who don't know you, Lord. May we just continue to pray for them, cast the nets, and watch you give the increase. In Jesus' name, amen.